grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. Please be seated. I got some fantastic news I want to share with you. It is this, Alleluia, Christ is risen. You guys haven't missed a step over 75 years. You guys are fantastic with that. Glad you guys are here. Congratulations on your confirmation. Uh, I will be quizzing you a little bit later, just so you know. <laughs> All right, uh, today our sermon is based on our gospel lesson, John 16, verses 12 through 22. But before we get there, there's a really important theme, and maybe if you were around during the first service, you probably heard the whole congregation sing it, as I gave them a really terrible key to sing it. I'm going to try it a little bit different. I'll give them a better key this time. Um, you guys might know this, this song. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to say. We're going to be talking about joy a lot. I hope you guys are excited about that. The reason why we're going to be talking about joy is because right here in the here and now, even though we gather together in the house of the Lord, even though we know Christ is risen, you and I in our daily lives and the daily grind, here and outside and everywhere we go, is marked not always by joy, but oftentimes pain, grief, and sorrow. We need joy, desperately. We desire joy because of what we go through. And I gotta, I gotta tell you, Christ knew all that we would go through as well. Jesus is talking with his disciples. He says to them, you guys are, are asking, what on earth does it mean? Or, or actually it would just be, what does this mean, right? What does this mean when I say, I am leaving for a little while and you will no longer see me. But after a little while, you will see me again. And that I'm going to my Father. Christ, uh, he, he speaks to the disciples and he says, truly, truly, as I go and I, and I disappear for a little while, you will weep and lament. I mean, we kind of understand that the first time Jesus disappeared for a while, right? It was Good Friday. Jesus was, was hung upon the cross. He, was, he died upon the tree and he was buried. And for three days, he was gone. And no one saw him. His disciples, they fled. They hid in fear. They denied that they knew Jesus. Remember, Peter, they were horrified that the Jews and the Romans who arrested and killed Jesus would come after them too. There was pain. There was fear. There was tears. There was lament. There was worry and anxiety. And yet, after a little while, only three days, who arose from the dead? Jesus. And he appeared to them. And even though they were worried and they were terrified, they were filled with great joy. In fact, John, the, the one who wrote this gospel, he was the youngest of the disciples and he outpaced them. He was so joyful, he sprinted to the tomb of Jesus. And he saw that he wasn't there. And certainly he didn't understand what was going on, but truly, I, I tell you, he was joyful. Christ was not in the tomb. It's easy to, to be joyful at the resurrection. I mean, just imagine, I, I know many of us in our time have lost people that we love dearly. Maybe a husband, maybe a wife, grandparent, father, mother, whatever it is, child, cousin, you name it. We long to see that person one more time who we miss 
dearly. The disciples got that. They saw Jesus again. Imagine the joy that they had being reunited with this man that they had followed. Imagine the pure bliss that they experienced to know that the one who who they loved and followed and trust all these years is appearing to them once again. The one whom they thought they had lost forever has returned. Imagine the dear, dear sense of joy that they experience. Only to be told that, hey, I'm leaving again. Jesus says, truly, truly, you will weep and you will lament. I ask the question, why? Why why are the disciples going to weep and lament? What on earth? Jesus is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Why are they weeping and lamenting? And, and, And first and foremost, the obvious answer that I have is they miss Jesus. Truly, I mean, you guys study the Confirmation Catechism, right? You know that Christ is present on the altar in in bodily form. He is there, but that is not the same as Jesus walking and talking with us daily, making footsteps in the dust that we too are able to place our feet in as we follow Jesus. If I'm a disciple, I miss the present Jesus in my life. And I long for him to return again. Having Jesus in your life, I won't necessarily make things easier. The disciples did not have an easy go. I'm not saying that. But it made life clearer. Where Jesus goes, I want to go. Where his footsteps are, so too my footsteps shall trot. Having that leader present in their life, directing and leading the way, how much clearer life was. So too, I miss Jesus. I wish Jesus would just would come back today. I wish Jesus would be here now. I weep and I lament because I know how much better it would be to have Christ physically present, speaking and talking and holding our hand and saying, this is where We are going. But I I feel like there's something deeper here as well. To to weep and to lament. Uh, To to weep in Greek is is closets. It literally means like the the mourning and tears and the grief and the sorrow that that drop down and just cover your face, right? That's, that's, that's the weeping aspect of Closeta. And, and then the, there's the, the Frenesita, which comes after, which is, the, which is the lament. That is the literal wailing that comes out of our mouths. You've seen it before, where there's unintelligible words that just escape because no words exist to describe the grief and anguish that we experience. The wailing of someone who is truly and tremendously heartbroken, painfully shattered. We weep and lament, first and foremost, because we ourselves are heartbroken on this side of the resurrection. We long for the day that we are reunited with all those who have gone before us, whom we miss today, but also we weep and lament. We mourn and we grieve because we know that in the present here and now is sorrow. 
We see brokenness. We see people living day to day in ways that we cannot even fathom. I weep personally. I lament. It's spring outside. Going on summer. God be praised. Um, in the city of Flint, that's also the time when people come out. And over the past couple weeks, I would lock up the doors of the church. I'd turn the lights off and I'd go outside. And uh, there's several different ladies who, who I found. Uh, but over the past couple weeks, they would sit on our front porch or steps or whatever you want to call it individually. I just come out. There's one of them there. And every time, it's just weeping and sadness and heartache and sorrow. I'll give you a little bit more context uh, these, these, are, these are ladies who are sex trafficked. These are uh, prostitutes, if you, if you would call them that, who are continually just waiting for the next car to drive by, to pick them up, to take and do whatever they so choose. They sit and they wait for the Johns to, to come and to pay them. And I, and I know it's different from city to city and, and what goes on. Um, what I have discovered simply by talking to these ladies is that they're not really paid so much for sex. Sure, that happens. Um, men like to beat these ladies. And they sit on the steps and they weep because they know the next car that comes through surely is how they're going to afford dinner. But they also know what awaits them when they get inside. And they sit and they cry and I, I sit down with them. Matthew chapter 9, Jesus goes and he sits and he eats with tax collectors and sinners. Sinners is the euphemism that's there for, for sex workers. Uh, and he sits and he eats with them. So too, I, I fortunately had, had granola bars at my disposal and I, I sit with, with uh, several of them and we watch as the sun starts to set over the burned out and abandoned buildings. I just listen. And I wish so dearly I had one thing that would instantly change the reality for these ladies. I so dearly wish I could change the entire, you know, view of their life at one point in time. The reality is there's not a simple solution that changes everything at once. And in their lament, in their pain, in their weeping, in their suffering, in their crying out, in their agony, in my agony, and watching them go through agony, in their brokenness, and their suffering, the one thing that I have that I can share that may not change the sorrow that is today, but tells of the great news that is to come when Christ returns, is I have the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart, down in my heart to stay. And I can tell them, and it doesn't fix everything, I've already said that, but I can tell them the lives that they experience right now, one day will be no more. The pain and the sorrow that they face one day will have no power over their lives. The men who drive and pick them up one day will stop calling. In the same way, it's not just ladies who we serve. Certainly there, there are men there too, but there's another demographic. There's, there's kids there as well. How many of you have ever come down to, to Flint Mission Network? Franklin Avenue Mission, York Avenue Mission, 
Uh, go ahead, look around, look around. Uh, these are people you should talk to. If you haven't been there, talk to these people. Find these people. Find out ways. Go on your bulletin. Find out ways that you can engage. These are, these are people who will help you and guide you to what's going on. We have kids ministry at the mission sites. And when I, when I, when I go and I serve and I work with these kids, the reality that they go through, many of them do not have mom or dad actively involved in their lives. In many instances, in many cases, it's kids raising younger kids. I'm talking like 12, 13 serving as mom and dad for some of these younger kids. Maybe in some instances, 12 and 13 are mom and dad for these kids. There is a, a complete brokenness within the system. And what really grieved me, what really pained me as I sat and I spoke with one of the people who volunteers with us. And she said, Pastor, you know, many of these kids are, are used and abused for the first time by at least first grade. <laughs> if, if, if that doesn't make you weep and lament and just want Christ to return, I don't know what does. Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament. You will long for Jesus to return both for you, and you will long for Jesus to return for those whom you love and whom you care for and only wish you could provide that better tomorrow right now. You will weep and Lament, closet, and frenesita. But it doesn't just stop there. Go up to verse 20. Can I pull verse 20 up on the screen? This is the hard part. As, as you and I, as we weep and lament in all of our pain, and all of our grief and suffering, what comes next? The world will rejoice. You and I have the complete story. You and I know... Christ will return and these things will no longer matter and they will no longer exist. But as we're waiting for Jesus to come again with all of his grandeur and glory and all of the power that he brings, you and I suffer and wait. And the world looks at us and they laugh. The world looks at us and they, they treat us with scorn and hatred and vile. I mean, simply look at the TV right now. How many of us, I'm working with kids coming from the project, but how many other Christians are fighting for those who aren't even born yet? And look at the way they are treated. The world rejoices when the church is broken, suffering, and in anguish. I look out here and I'm kind of gauging the age of people who are here. How many of you have children even? Who like when they pointed out Peter at the bonfires, Jesus would get beaten. How many of you have children who have simply pointed the finger at you and said, how on earth, how dare you? Aren't you one of the followers of Jesus? Aren't you one of the people? Hey, I saw you. I know you love Jesus. You're one of these people too? Shame on you. As we remain faithful, the world will turn to crush us, and the world will rejoice in our face. You will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. As we work with kids who don't even know that they're being hurt, as we're working for other kids who are, who are just 
vying for a chance to live, we know, we experience the world turns on us. And even through all that we experience, even no matter what people are saying about us and the Lord whom you and I serve, we go forward step by step saying, I've got that joy, 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 doubt in my heart. Where? Where? I've got that joy, 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 doubt in my heart. Doubt in my heart to stay. There's one more thing I want to bring up. Um, the sorrow that we talk about. You are sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn to joy. This joy that we have, this joy that we share, the word turn, literally, it's not just like the flipping of a coin. It's not sorrow on one side and joy on the other. Gnesita, to turn in Greek, literally, is to be born out of. We're not flipping the pancake. We are being born out of something. The joy that, that we're, that we're going to experience when Christ returns is something that comes out of the fear and the suffering and the lamenting and the weeping and the gaping holes in our chest that we experience as we watch those whom we love continually get crushed and crushed and hurt and destroyed by people who hate them, who take advantage of them and only want to use them for their own pleasure and gain. We have joy for those who remain faithful until the end. For those, you guys remember the exclamation or the uh, explanation of the first commandment. What does this mean? We should fear, love. Oh, they pass. <laughs> 75 years later, they pass. For those who remain faithful, for those whose trust is in the Lord, for those who fear, love, and trust the Lord unto the end. The lament, the pain, the suffering, the wailing cries of our hearts will be born into joy. That means when Christ returns, when Christ returns, no longer will we just simply miss him. We will dwell in his presence. The one who we long for, we will be reunited with. That means when Christ returns, the women who are raped, beaten, and abused by the men driving by, all the things that they experience will be wiped away. The men will stop driving by. The beatings will stop. They will be able to live in peace and in comfort with their Savior who loves them dearly. The children who are continually broken and abused in ways that they don't even comprehend or understand when Christ returns. They truly will dwell with a Father who will love them forever and always. If that doesn't bring you joy, I don't know what does. In closing, verse 22. I'll pull this up too. So you have sorrow now. We talked about that. We grieve, we hurt but I, Jesus, will see you again and your hearts will rejoice. Read this last piece with me. And no one will take your joy from you. When Christ returns, for those who are faithful and to the end, nothing, not even death, 
Satan or hell itself is able to grab you by your coattails and rip you out of Jesus' hands. Your joy through all the pain will last forever. Joy unceasing, joy unending, and eternal joy that is begun and is found solely in Christ Jesus. And I pray the joy that the hope and the peace that he is and brings blesses and keep your hearts in Christ Jesus forever and always. Amen. Amen. I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where? Where? I've got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Down in my heart to stay.